streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody wants Watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome into On the Beat Live. I'm your host Tommy Ashley. That's Ross Martin, Adam Smith, and producer John Bowman. It is Tuesday night, November first. Lord have mercy, that's crazy. Nine o'clock on the East Coast. Smart, Drake May's hand. How is it? I saw you asking the question. Um, didn't really have a chance to listen to it. Um, do we call this Band-Aid Gate? Or, or- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was dropping some news on the, uh, you know, just a little update on the boards, and people were just like kind of clowning the post. I don't know what's up with that. But yeah, he I had did. a he had a uh, bandage on his hand Monday when I saw him. No one else saw him. I saw him leaving Keene Stadium, did a little reporting. And then today he had more of just a Band-Aid. So I think a move from bandage to Band-Aid is a progression in the right way. Where, where is this? Is it down here? Um, is it like on his thumb? Is it going to affect the grip? I think it's relevant, to be honest with you. It yeah, is. Adam, Adam saw it. Where would you say? Right hand? Right there, it, yeah. I, um, I believe we reported it Saturday night, actually. It's, it's sort of the base of the pinky area, like right in this area. I don't know if y'all can – well, you can't see it if you're – you can see it if you're live but is this uh, a phalanges is, is the finger or, this is not a metatar so that's on your foot so it's right below your pinky pinky finger yeah it's his right hand it's his throwing <laughs> hand and it's at the base of the pinky finger he said saturday night when ross and i were talking to him that um you know it was like getting a callus when you, he said i don't know if you've been lifting weights and i was like i don't know how many people in the room here have, have been lifting weights but uh He's talking about, you know, ripping a callus or getting a sore there uh, where your calluses are supposed to be. My hands are quite smooth. And uh, when you're when you're covering a Heisman candidate, everything is news, uh, especially with his throwing hand. But I do yeah. think we re- we already talked we already talked about it a little too much already. Is it possible? <laughs> is it possible he dropped, dressed up as a mummy for Halloween and it's left over <laughs> forgotten part of the costume? We need to think about that if we're reporting the full news on this. Hey, I mean, three three days later, and he's still bandaged up. Hey, John, inside Carolina, not Comedy Central. (laughs) (laughs) I love how all the questions about the about the hand, and it's like, let's move on, let's move on. One question, Ross, you did ask, and I was like, and Adam, you did it too first, and then y'all went in after the Heisman talk and all that. It's talking about how he practices throwing off platform and doing all that stuff. I mean, that's what makes him a Heisman candidate, right? Anybody, well, not anybody, but. A lot of quarterbacks can do the normal stuff. Uh, he does the abnormal stuff really well. And, and Ross, y'all have talked about it with him. I asked Longo about it. I was like, how do you practice that? I mean, do you walk mm-hmm. around throwing all that stuff? And they actually do 
I thought that was a pretty interesting take from Drake and Longo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do practice kind of throwing the run and, and off platform in different directions. Um, but I, I mean, I think a lot of this is just natural ability. I mean, I think it's Drake being an athlete. And, you know, I was going through Longo's audio today, and Longo was talking about the wrist throws, you know, just flicking the wrist and, and, and being able to flick the wrist and throw a ball on a dime, you know, 20 yards or one of those outs. I think it's something you can definitely practice and get better at. But it's also, I think, I think Drake was blessed with a lot of natural ability, athleticism, and arm talent. And, and you're seeing that on some of those throws. Yeah. And Adam, the thing about this is you were talking about um, the characters in the room there. I mean, his teammates, they don't all run the same. They don't all run as fast. He's got to figure out, and I, I'm going to ask him this at some point, is how do you, do you like, okay, that's Josh. I got to lead him a certain way. That's Kamari. I got to lead him differently. That's Copenhaver. He's not running very fast, so I'm not going to lead him as much. I mean, that's a fascinating aspect to this as well. You can be accurate, but when the target's moving and you're that accurate, Adam? I, I mean, you guys know I love talking to Drake May because, like, today – we're asking the, these questions because I think – I mean, I don't know if the word is underreported, but I think an underappreciated part of everything that he is are those throws on the run. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, you guys – we've all done it. We've all played backyard football or some form of football. Like, go out there and go on a dead sprint with somebody chasing you and try to, like, drill it to a teammate 15 yards down the field. I mean, it's hard to do. Um but it's funny, you know, we're we're asking him today, and I was asking him about practicing it, and you could see that he's listening. He's always listening to the questions, and then he tried. He was trying to explain. He goes, "Well, you kind of have to make sure you lead them, and like it goes to what Ross is saying is that he just does it. You know, like I don't know that he's ever had to explain or try to explain uh, why that area of his game is so good. Like it's just something that." He just does. I think it was Mac. I don't know if Ross can remember. It was either Mac or Longo on Monday. We're talking about uh, the the wrist throws that Ross said, but also the flexibility that he has. And his arms are so long at six five that maybe you don't find that type of flexibility in a guy that size. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's ridiculously talented. He obviously comes from a family with a ridiculous amount of talent. But you got to go out there and does it, do it, and he does it. Somebody on the message board, Michael Daniels, Drake's not our worry. It's the D.E. We'll get to that. But Drake May is one reason why you don't worry about the D.E. as much uh, when it comes down to it. And so – but let's go ahead and get into that portion of it. Um, we'll jump around here. John uh, Bowman wanted to have hot takes. Go ahead, Ross. How about how cocky we are right now talking about the Tar Heels? You know, Tommy, we don't worry about the defense. We got Drake May. No, I didn't say that. I said that's one reason you don't worry as much. Lord, remember, remember, remember after Notre Dame. So remember where we were after Notre Dame. It's kind of crazy, the change in the mood around Carolina and, and obviously with us in the media. It's amazing how what happens when you win a few football games, right? Mm-hmm. When, uh, He's always when, away with Drake May. Some of us have written. Yeah, North Carolina was uh, was the laughing stock after the App State win, right? Even after the App State win, they were laughing stock. Now the defense has stepped up, and it's like fourth in the ACC in points per la- points per game allowed, or something like that. Especially in ACC games, Adam. Let's talk about the DE depth. I mean, Noah Taylor news Monday when we walked in was known. That was going to be a we knew that was coming when we walked in that building on Monday morning. Des Evans out too? Have we heard any more about what's that all about? 
And now this DE room that had, or this depth on the defensive line room had what, 10 bodies. Now you lose two starters out of it. Adam, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, Ross and I were talking uh, Monday and don't forget about Rainbow Hasek, you know, like that's another starter that you were heading into the season with, um, you know, on the defensive line. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that we know what the Des Evans uh, specifics are. I was going to ask Mac tomorrow, uh, like, is that I'm assuming he's going to have surgery. That's why you would be out for the rest of the season. Um, that's what I would have to assume. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a big concern, but I also think that like they've been telling us, this is why you recruit and you know, there are guys that can fill in Ross. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easy. We talked to miles Murphy today and, and Chris Collins and, you know, obviously they're putting on a, a pretty strong face, you know, not worried about it, or at least, you know, saying we got depth, but I, I think losing three starters on defensive line, that's going to show up. Um, I think losing one, maybe even losing two is okay, but you're losing three starters. And so that's a big hit to your depth. I think Noah Turner was their best pass rusher uh, leader out there. Um, I think he is going to be hard to replace. I just don't think Chris Collins and anybody else that comes out to play the Jack is going to, it has that dynamic athleticism that, that Noah Taylor brings. Um, you know, I, we can get into it, but you know, Javari Ritchie's probably going to bounce outside, play power end. You're going to see uh, Malachi Hamrick more. You're going to see Chris Collins. You're going to see Jacoby Cowan more. Um, even maybe a Bo Atkinson siding. So it's going to be all hands on deck to fill us in. But th this is the deepest, you know, quotations, deepest group they have. And it's going to be tested now with guys who haven't played a lot uh, in, in the first, you know, six to eight games. And now, like, Jacoby Cowan might have to play 30 snaps. Um you know, Travis Shaw might have to play 30 snaps now. Malachi Hamrick, you know, 25 snaps. So, we'll see. Uh, there's a reason why those guys were second team, third team. Absolutely there. I mean, Chris Collins, he's played well at times. We've seen some struggles from him, uh, you know, especially on tape breakdowns that Jason Staples does. A lot of people are talking about Shaw, Silver, and KBJ. Well, they're inside guys. They're not the outside guys. Um, yeah. They replaced Ray Vahasek, but that it, they do allow Ritzy to go outside. It's Silver and KBJ, but they just don't play. I don't know why people keep bringing them up. Like, they just don't play. I don't know. Adam, did they log any snaps on on um, on um Saturday against Pitt? I'm not sure, but, I mean, yeah. the guy, one of the guys we need to talk about is Kamen Rucker. You know, like yeah, – uh, I mean, we, we, Ross and I have <laughs> spent the early part of the week documenting how valuable Kamen Rucker is now. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if the word is fortuitous, but Gene Chizik was talking the other day that they'd already worked Rucker some at the jack position. I'm not sure why they were doing that. Um, but he said that, you know, you know, we've talked about the term cross-training, obviously. So, I guess Rucker had cross-trained some at, at defensive end and at jack. And we're not sure what his health status is because he he got uh, dinged up. He, we're supposed to wait and see on him this week. Um but, you know, either Ross and I said it on the video the other day. He might be the most important part of the defense right now with his versatility to play a couple of those different positions. Rucker, I'm talking about. Yeah, he, he, he's on the injury report. So, yeah. I just posted the um, snap counts for the defensive line in the chat. I mean, kind of the, obviously the, the text is a little weird there. But, yeah, Keyshawn Silver and KBJ didn't play at all. So – it's really – it's Kevin Hester and Travis Shaw, and then on the dime package, you take both those guys out, and it's, you know, it's a Miles Murphy, Javari Ritzy inside, 
um, with with Jacoby Cowan or or um, Ken Rook on the outside too. So um, people always love to bring out Keyshawn Silver and KBJ because they were so highly ranked in that class. Keyshawn Silver at the time was a five star. Keyshawn Bigley Jones early commit was a top seventy five player. They just have not gotten to the point where they can play yet. So maybe they will play more, but I just don't think they're at the point now. And, and Malik Shaw. Henry, Go ahead, John. John. And with Shaw, his last two games have been his lowest graded in pro football focus. It's different, high school season versus a college season. College season is a lot longer. It's a lot more physically demanding. So it's not surprising in some ways, too, to see Shaw maybe getting acclimated to the full college season uh, that could stretch on into December for UNC. And let's be honest, these dudes in high school are playing half the game, maybe. Um, And it's against – you know, some schools play big time talent, but it's against like us. Yeah, inferior competition. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think it's a good point Adam made. I think right now your most important players on defense are Javari Ritzy and Kevin and Cayman Rucker because they're flexible. They can play a couple spots. So that versatility, just like having an offensive uh, guard who can also play center, also play tackle, the versatility to plug in Ritzy and Rucker. And then I think Chris Collins, you know, he's been here five years, maybe six years. <laughs> He was a Fedora recruit, Chris Collins. Um, you know, he's been here. So I, I want to be too worried about him. I just don't think he brings necessarily the, the dynamic ability of, t- of Taylor, but he can be solid. So um, that's what you're looking at. And, and Miles Murphy, I think, is coming back. We talked to Miles Murphy uh, today. He said he's 95%. He's been struggling through an ankle injury. Um, so expect him to uh, gradually get better and better because he has been kind of missing in the last three, four, five weeks. Yeah, so need the, it. they're going to the, need them in there, you know, like uh, it's like your margin, your margin for error now with with healthy bodies is has obviously been reduced quite a bit. Yeah. And you got to the health. You got to figure out how to stay healthy out there. And Cayman uh, Rucker will be interesting if he play. We'll assume he plays against Virginia. But if he doesn't play against Virginia, I Chiswick said and this is the last thing we talk about. He said they're not in scramble mode. If Rucker's out. Saturday, they're in scramble mode. I, I, they've got to find bodies out there. Anyway, Virginia may not be the offense to, that it'll be tested against, but obviously the linebackers with Eccles and, and, and Cedric Gray will be fine. Ra Ra got some more snaps in there. I, at least I felt like he was out there. What about the defensive backfield, Ross? I thought Storm Duck, and I said it at the press conference, I thought Storm Duck looked like a completely different guy in the fourth quarter. Where'd yeah, that come you, from? You asked it. He did look very confident, and, and Mac said it. In the press conference, he also said on his radio show last night, just, you know, he, he showed a confidence in coming up and, and nailing that guy on whatever that was, that stop on third and something. And then the pass break up to, to I think, the end of the game there was big. So two big confidence plays. Um, you know, these DBs get burnt a little bit. That's kind of the name of the game, I think, in, in defensive football. You're going to get you're going to get caught on a couple times. And we see that you kind of rag on Grimes and Duck, but you come up and make a play and make up for it. So that's good to see, too. Um, it's never going to be perfect with defensive backs. What does Max say, Adam, about defensive backs, quarterbacks? It's like they were born behind because of how hard it is to play that position. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You're, I, I'm whiffing on that one. I'm not sure. Uh, what do you mean, backpedaling? They're born back. No, it's just like it's such a tough position to play. Like you're already behind in that you're position. You're born chasing. To, yeah, like you're always, you know. He has, he said a couple times early in the season, but whatever. Yeah, let so me, look let great. Me, let me bring this one up. Um, in light of all the injuries, I'm going to get it. Y- y'all can't say, what do you think, Ross, or what do you think, Adam? Adam, <laughs> Bull Hill asks, are we ever 
are we starting to believe ever so slightly in the defense? Yes, Bull Hill. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's my answer. And, like, I mean, look at the schedule now. I mean, I think the Wake Forest offense, uh, you know, that's coming next week, I think that is something to be concerned about. You know, I know that, that Sam Hartman and those guys had eight turnovers at Louisville the other day. But, I mean, they can put up the points. They can move the ball. But Virginia is struggling on all offense. What are you going to get with Georgia Tech? I don't know. I mean, they're not setting the world on fire. Um, you know, like, I, what, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, you know, you're not playing like Reggie Bush and Matt Liner and, and you would see the, the next couple of games. Now, I know we could be talking about an ACC championship game and a bowl game here. Um, but, yes, I mean – uh gene said it the other day that they're starting to gain a clearer understanding the defense of uh what they're asking what they want and how to make adjustments on the fly you've seen it they've become a much better second half defense uh in these acc games and some of the some of the plays they've made uh at miami comes to mind and then the other night against Pitt in the second half you know helped win the game they've, at, scored, they've given up 28 28 second half points in the last four in the in the four ACC games. So 28 second half points. So divide that by four. So once a game, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, they yeah. shut out Virginia Tech. Yeah, shut out Virginia Tech. Uh, seven points against Miami. Miami. Seven yep. points against um, against Pitt, and then um, Duke probably put a little more in that. I guess 14 or something. So uh, so Brendan Armstrong last year. Freaking torched Carolina. I mean, it was the most yards any quarterback. It's the most yards any quarterback has ever thrown for against Carolina ever. That he's number one. And it was like only five hundred and whatever it was. That's what it looked like. I mean, he went up there. It, yeah, it's it's going to be a thing. So we good on the defense. We're done with the defensive talk. Everybody good there? Any questions? I see somebody asked, "Does Ross have any eligibility?" Um, <laughs> Where's he playing? Uh, Ross, where are you playing? I Don't make me bring uh, up the jugs gun. Pow, pow, power end. <laughs> I'm too slow, to, too slow to play Jack. I got the length of power end. <laughs> uh, Might be a little light. Yeah. there. Go, go ahead. I, I was saying, I don't remember that Virginia game last year. That was early in the season. 28-59-39. But UNC won, for, right? Yeah. Yeah, they ACC blew him up. out, but he threw for – Okay. And he was throwing on the run. He was throwing every pass he threw. I don't have the stats, but, yeah, he looked like he threw about a million. I remember the last game in Virginia, John Bowman was living with me, and we watched the game. It was on Halloween night, I think, or or that Saturday. It was Halloween night. And that Cedric Gray messed up the – he had a penalty or missed a, a fake punt. He missed the fake punt conversion and oh, Virginia yeah. won. It was another high scoring game, right? Missed a tackle. True, true freshman. 41 or something like that. It was in yeah. the 40s, yeah. They got yeah. way ahead and then somehow brought them back and then Virginia had like a fourth and one and everybody in the building knew they were going to fake punt. It was and, a, you know who uh, had a big night that night? Choffrey Brown. Yeah. yeah. Who? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he that put was, that on his tape. That was a howling night, night game. I remember I tried to get John to drink some beers with me. He refused to drink a beer with me. I don't know how that's always the story. I, I have one I have one point on the defense as well. One of the favorite sayings of analytics Twitter is progress is linear, not exponential. And I think we are seeing linear 
progress with the UNC defense, especially the run defense. I have the yards per carry allowed 3.7 against Miami, 4.5 against Duke, and then 2.9 against Pittsburgh, a very good rush offense. So I think we're starting to see the UNC run defense especially make incremental progress game over game, and I think that is consistently happening throughout the course of the season. Don't disagree there, but they're starting to lose bodies. So I think that's going to make a difference. Let me throw up one more question before we get off the defensive talk. Conley, uh, uh, curious Conley, I mean, he needs to get back and get healthy and all that stuff, but they don't just go – you don't put zero out there and they say, okay, you guys can't throw it. So we're just running the ball. We're going to put him out there. Ross, there's nothing that I heard, and we talked about this last week. There's nothing that I heard that even this week that he would be a major part of the defense this week, next week, maybe any time this year. Yeah, Chizik gave a very general, safe kind of answer on a – excuse me, a little pesto pasta in the burp there. Um, uh, on uh, Monday, uh, Gene Chizik, yeah, it was very like, yeah, working him back. You know, we got to see him, see how he goes. He's progressing. Very safe answer. But it is kind of, you know, kind of reassuring he's playing on special teams already. That was surprising. I didn't even know that. I guess it's not really doing my job. I didn't know that until I saw the snap counts. So we'll see. Adam, what do you think? You know what word Gene Chizik uses often with uh, J.Q. Conley is weaning him in. That's the that's the phrase that it seems like Gene always says. You know, we're weaning him in. Um, Does so. that word – so when I was doing the coordinator report and I saw that on the transcription – I was like, there's no way he said winning him in. And so I went back and listened, and you were right. Is that, a like, Is that like a breastfeeding thing? <laughs> but it's weaning off, I thought. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, that's a great point, Tommy. Yeah, do I, you wean someone in or off? I thought you wean them wean off. off. Yeah, slowly, yeah. gradually wean them off. Oh, yeah, and then when like puppies, you wean them off their mama so you can give them away or sell them or put them in the – This, I, I mean, you guys are making great points. You're Puppy right. I'm kind of having a – yeah, you're right. You wean him off. You don't wean him. We're weaning him in. Like <laughs> Tommy, you should uh, you should correct – was it Mac or Chizik said Gene. that? I, I, I what they say. Like, Gene you says should. it all the time. I'm the new guy. I'm not I'm not, I'm not. not creating a story. Y'all know, you know Gene's listening right now. You know he always pops on on the beat. <laughs> but so it's to, not he's listening. To answer Joe's question, like, I mean – like Ross said, I, I have gotten the feeling, we've, we've been talking about this forever, that it was going to be like the slowest, most gradual thing. But, yeah, he popped up on special teams the other night and was running around. And they were talking about it Monday that, yeah, you know, he got out there and was able to, to you know, open up the stride and run. I don't know. It, it, it sound, Ross, does it sound like to you that he has a lot to learn in terms of the actual defense, like getting in there and playing safety in the defense? Yeah, that's probably – one issue you would think that he had been the, the mental aspect he could have worked on you know all spring all spring yeah. all summer all all fall but that was something that that gene Chizik said as well also the dbs before we get off defense it is important to note you know don chapman played a significant amount for, for geo bigger sums they're working don chapman back in he was injured a little bit um and then legend Cavazos uh showed up made a couple plays and they're gonna try to play him a little more Give him a chance. I was like, he's been practicing better. So you got another corner and another DB after, you know, what, six or seven games where it was four guys back there playing the majority of snaps. 
Yep, and and the the guys that played in the first game or the first two games, Balfour and Marcus Allen, <clears throat> hadn't seen them. That's a great. They're point. milk carton. They're yep. milk carton guys. And I know they're working hard in practice, running scout team, all that good stuff. But it's surprising that they haven't gotten an opportunity. <clears throat> but you know they're solid. They're solid there with who they're going to roll with. But I think Cavasso's back, and Don Chapman I think helps a lot more than we think. Um, for that defense to, to give those guys. Let's go ahead and do do a read. And, Ross, you do your read. I'll do my read. And then All we'll right, get great. to your offensive talk. We got Blue Shark Vodka here, the smoothest vodka in the world. We appreciate uh, Blue Shark Vodka, Connor Barth, for sponsoring this podcast out of Wrightsville Beach uh, down on the coast. Uh, the smoothest vodka in the world, available in all 100 counties, uh, parts of South Carolina, Try it today. Very accessible price point. Um, it mixes well with everything. You know, the best tailgate out there is down on the Bulls lot. And Kelsey and Caitlin, Coulter and Dustin Duke, they have Blue Shark everything. They had a Blue Shark cake. They had a, a mixed drink with Blue Shark. They have a Blue Shark pints. So uh, it's taken over the Bulls lot. Uh, if you're going to, you know, partake, why not try Blue Shark vodka? Uh, it's kind of becoming the, you know, the the official vodka of the Bulls lot and UNC tailgating. Blue Shark Vodka, check it out. Tommy? Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com, sponsors of Inside Carolina, sponsors of this podcast. And they're friends of yours if you're a premium subscriber because you get 10% off your order. Join up. You get the crew neck sweatshirts. You get the jerseys, the NIL stuff, uh, tailgating, home gating, anything you need. Stickers. I'm a big sticker guy. I like put stickers on my cooler. Johnny T-Shirt's got a bunch of different kinds. Uh, take care of them. They're alumni owned and operated and they are on East Franklin street. Even if you're not an inside Carolina premium member, blow them up, shop them, shop them on there, but you can get that 10% off if you join us. And why wouldn't you, you get to hear Ross Martin and Don Callahan on the scoop on this, on the podcast network, but you can go read Don Callahan's scoop. If you're an inside Carolina premium subscriber, take a national or a short break for the national guys to pay the bills. It's about nine 26 we got a lot more on On The Beat Live. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, fellas, it's on the beat live. We're going to talk about Carolina's offense, but John Bowman, you have put something interesting in the private chat, and I want to hear it, the story. Well, speaking of, Ross, the, the tailgate you referenced, our group was tailgating in the Bulls lot on Saturday. We said hi to Tommy, but we reached that point where we've kind of aged out of the parents bringing the food, so we didn't have any food. We were kind of wandering around the Bulls lot looking for food, trying to, like, maybe see if we could just – 
if we got close enough, someone would just offer us some hot dogs or something. So next time, I guess we got to visit your friends, Ross, with the tailgate. So what is Ross talking way. about? Ross says co-opted my friends. No, no it's, it's Tommy's friends. It's, it's Tommy's it's tailgate. A, it's a big party, um, and they love they love Ross. They love some blue shark. We had merits, man. We had merits for my retirement party in the Bulls lot, and you could have come and gotten – because I've got like five or six sandwiches still in my refrigerator. And There's always a lot of food. There's always a lot of food down there. That tailgate. That's a bit. It's a combined Ashley family and, and all those young guns. Yeah, really. Um, we're the parents. We're, we're the uh, grandparents over there. Some pit people, man. The only pit people in the Bowles lot parking lot were like, they stole our spots. So we had to move over, but they ended up being pretty cool. It's a fun time down in the Bowles lot. Georgia Tech, I guess, NC State. We're going to be at Wake Forest trying to do this show live or Inside Carolina Live at Wake and at uh, Charlotte first week in December if Carolina gets there. Let's talk about offensive football. We talked about Drake May. First question I saw in the chat, and Ross, I'll let you start it. With Hood out, who takes over RB1? And um, next year, who can, we're not going to talk about next year because it'll work itself out. This year, who's RB1? I think it's going to be a heavy dose of Green and Hampton. I mean, right? That's really all you can say. Maybe DJ Jones, but I would imagine a 50-50 split between Hampton and Green. Um, and I do think you're going to miss Hood. Hood's, Hood's been pretty good. He's in there. It is uh, – the run game is, is left to be desired, I think. I was just looking at some stats today. and I mean, Drake May is leading the team in rushing um, total for over, over the last eight games. Um, that's including sack yards. So – but, you know, Green – yes, a Green and Hampton. And, and that's – that you know, you lose one of those guys, that's a, that becomes an area of concern too. So that's becoming a, a more slim, slim room. Adam, any thoughts on that? Just imagine if you had said that in training camp, like before the British Brooks injury, that they get to November, UNC's uh, first place in the Coastal, in the top 20 of the college football playoff rankings, and their one-two punch at running back is Elijah Green and Omarion Hampton. I mean – Wow. But yeah, Ross is right. Like, you know, if uh, the other night against Pitt, if you take away what Drake did, I think Drake rushed for 61 yards. Uh, the, the running backs that played the other night combined for 13 carries and 28 yards. Now, Pitt's defense, especially the front, uh, the defensive front, they're strong. That's They commit to stopping the run. That's why you saw Drake slinging it around so much and doing some of that quick passing game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say that Elijah Green is the presumed starter. So from fifth string a couple weeks ago to RB1. Wouldn't mind seeing uh, Pedway a little more, you know, use him in kind of that in the flat, kind of in the backfield as part of the passing game slash running game. Uh, maybe it's his time to, to get some reps here. Um, since, you know, like, like I've said, they, they can ban the run, but they still kind of had this de facto run game by getting the ball to their backs and the Josh Downs kind of in the flat in the backfield. Didn't I see Petaway get a snap the other night? Petaway had a chance the other night, and I don't know if he like didn't get his right, like he like drop it. You know when he was trying to leap for the ball. I don't know what would you see on that, John? Do you know? Just drop. I can tell. Yeah, I can tell someone like Petaway, who's been used to probably playing every single snap in high school. It must be so tough for him to come in for one snap and say, "All right, game speed." That's the type of catch that he probably makes in his sleep, and you know I feel for him a little bit, but. Players who make plays will get more opportunities. And unfortunately, so far in the season, Petaway really hasn't made any plays. And in a crowded room, he might not get too many more opportunities the rest of the season. 
he like, made a he made a play a couple of plays against the App State and, and all, yeah. but yeah, I mean it's that just, was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, it's just um, you know, it's tough to just walk off the bench and make a play, I don't, especially at that position. And that's so. I mean, what did the question say? Victim of the freshman grind? I guess so, maybe. And and talking about the run game, the swing passes, they did that a lot against Pitt. I don't remember them doing that. At, they probably did more against Pitt than they've done it all year. And that's just an extension of their run game. So the offensive line's not getting it done with the guy straight in front of them, swing it out. And if you're going to play Josh Downs in the backfield and swing it out. Yeah, I feel longer the other day, right? Like we just wanted to get the ball outside of the tackle box, just away from that seven or eight guys and just have some ability to run around. And yeah, you saw that. I think you saw that as the game went on to where they, you know, increasingly just turn to the to the passing game to 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 move up and down the field. Let put your playmakers in, put your playmakers in space. If it's not working, yeah. get Josh Downs in space. We hadn't seen a lot, but I think it's get your ball to Josh Downs as many ways as possible. And um Pat Narduzzi said that they didn't expect to see those kind of plays, those swing passes, those screens, and and Longo rolled it out and it was successful in the second half. Yeah, I mean, that's how – when you're getting five, six, seven, eight yards of play on those, do it all day. And then when they try to stop it, then you pump fake it and throw it to him down the middle. Let me throw this question up here because um, this is relevant to a discussion I think um, Mike Ingersoll actually had, and I put it up on the, the Letterman report, balanced. I, I think there's different terms of balance, different ways to be balanced. Mike said he abandoned the run. I I'd wager that's probably the first time Matt Brown's ever told his offensive coordinator to quit running it and just do something different. But they don't have to be balanced necessarily run past. They need to be balanced within what they're trying to do. So if they're passing the ball 100 times a game, spread it out. That's balance. If they're running it, don't run the same guy, don't run the same play. I don't think run pass balance is a thing anymore in, in college football. I just don't. You go with what you know and go with what's working. One more question before I get in. I'm sorry. I'm hitting these questions because, look, we need an IC pod from live from the Bowls lot. Adam Smith, you know about live from the Bowls lot, if we can get you down there. We do Inside Carolina Live two hours, three hours before game time at the Bowls lot every week. George, uh, Greg Milliken, come join us. Georgia Tech game, we'll be out there live from the Bowls lot. All right. Offensive line talk. Ross, William Barnes came back. I think William Barnes really helped this offensive line. Uh, do we see more runs this week, given that? Um, or do you think that it'll still be the Drake May show? Can you throw that question up, John? Is that possible? Or is that is question it, from Tommy? Oh, yeah. More question for Tommy, but I also oh, threw okay. up this one. Same same topic. Yeah. The line. I, the, I, okay, go ahead, Ross. I got an opinion on that. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think – the run blocking's been suspect. Uh, I think that Pitt kind of sold out for the run, so you might see a little more balance. And I think the fact that they are playing, I think the question by Chris here, they're playing those five guys. They've, they've stayed relatively healthy, healthy is a plus. And the pass protection has been improved. I talked to Source on Sunday, and he was he told me that you know he wishes that Drake or that Sam Howell had this offensive line in terms of pass protection. That it's much improved across the board. Now it's not perfect. But, you know, having Corey Gaynor, Spencer Rowland, I think Austin Richards is playing great. That it's a, it's a much better offensive line um, across the board. And that's, you know, interesting considering that they had two players drafted, Marcus McKeithen and Joshua Zudu. Zudu's playing a lot, I think, for the Giants up there. So, 
Um, that's important to note um, with, with, with how this group has played under new offensive line coach Jack McNell. And I think the offensive line coach has been the difference. The guys have obviously gotten better. Some awesome wristers has gotten better and all those guys. But And Corey Gaynor, having a center that's there and having a center that's playing the entire game and not being banged up, I think that's a great addition for them. What more questions we got, John B.? I'll throw up one here. One more point on the offensive line, though. I think offensive line, too, is a position where you get benefits keeping the same guy, five guys on the field, maybe that you don't at a defensive line or a quarterback. So having those same five guys playing together and gaining reps, getting better communication is really important. This one is for Adam. Adam, uh, this is from Walter Holt. He asked, Carolina has one on the road, one off a bye. Is the next challenge handling and beating a team like UVA soundly? No, that's fascinating that you picked that one because I, I read that one earlier and uh, we must have some mental telepathy going on here, John. We do. Because um, I was thinking like, oh, Walter, you might get that answer in the countdown for for kickoff on Friday, buddy. Um, it's an excellent question. But one thing to add on the offensive line, uh, I agree with everything that you guys said about Gainer, just everything. But Drake May helps too. Uh, I mean – I think Mac made a point the other day that uh, they only charged one of the sacks when they went through and reviewed the film to the offensive line. Drake was sacked twice against Pitt, but they only gave one to the offensive line. I guess the other was on Drake. Um, But, you know, I think he – I mean, I think he helps everything, but I think with the offensive lineman – I mean, Sam Howell's an NFL quarterback, great, great college quarterback. Maybe he held on to it a little too long. I don't know. Um, But (laughs) – Yes, Walter. Uh, yeah, I, well, you, uh, I, I think so. It's interesting that uh, Max stopped the. Uh, you know, he had the terrible streak about uh, night games. You know, he, he couldn't win a night game. Um, they had a bye week streak, and um, yeah. Now, I mean, what is UNC's? What a nine point favorite on sat for Saturday on the road. I mean, yeah, this would be another one to check off in terms of uh, boxes. Did Mac bristle when asked about 96? Did I feel a bristle? He may have. He didn't want to talk about it, I don't think. But then he talked about it. You know, like, I don't know. It's a good question, Tommy. He he wasn't as uh, chummy as he had been. And then Ross says, tweets out, old-timers love to talk about that game and hits me and Lee Pace. I mean, A, Lee's a legend. I'm not. And Lee's a little bit older than me, Ross. Come on, I'm not an old time. Yeah, I just have always heard about that game. And look, I've I don't I didn't watch that game. I don't remember that game. And it's always like this '96 game up in Charlottesville. And like I don't, it just doesn't register for me. I wasn't born. Freshman year, freshman year of college, I remember it vividly. Wait a minute, Uh, did John just say he wasn't born? I'm sure he wasn't. Good God Almighty! They could have been an 11 win team. Um, 97. So this is kind of some similarities. What was the record that year, Tommy? Heading up to Charlottesville? Do you remember? They were one, they seven and one, eight and one. Yeah. They are right uh, now. They had lost to uh, Florida State, I think. Before their only loss that season was to Florida State before they lost to UVA. Yeah. And, tip and ball. the way it worked out, and the way it worked out is everybody in front of them ended up gagging. And so had they won that, there was some. Yeah, I don't even like thinking about that, man. We already had our tickets to the National Championship bought. Um, and then Antoine Harris from Raleigh, from like right right up the road. Could have been 11 in one season, Ross. Like, I mean, it's a perfect example. Old heads talking about the 96 game. Oh, yeah, Adam and Ash- in the past. Smith and Ashley. 
How old are you, Adam? No, I'll ask you that off air. We don't. It was want my to freshman that. year. It was my freshman year. Um, okay. I remember. I remember watching it. That that is. Uh, I don't do math. Let's get some more questions in here. Let's go. Um, You're not that much older than him, Tommy. I was born in '71. I'm not. I'm not ashamed. I've I'm seen '78. So I remember '78. I put 86. some stuff in the times because John, no, John, 2000. I was born in 1997. Jesus. Someone was asking John in a chat about his shirt. Like whoever that was should know. It's NBA cares. Johnny Bowman can play some basketball. It's an excellent basketball player. Um, we said it about Cedric Gray today that he's got a high motor, high motor on John. He does not stop running and moving and cutting. Great shooter. Great, Great teammate shooter. too. Great teammate. <laughs> This is also the, the philanthropic arm of the NBA. That's why I'm supporting it tonight. And you used to kind of do some work for them, or you still do, don't you? Not not anymore, but I did help out. So. With the league? Can yes. I get some tickets? <laughs> That's what I, I got. A, I got a next question for us. This one is from AJ Cook. He asks, fun hypothetical, does Drake May get invited to New York City if the season ended today? Ross, what do you think? Ooh, if it ended today. If it ended today, probably not. Which I, maybe I think he should, but just you know, not the big. There's no one thing I think is holding him back is he's not going to have a big win on his schedule until Clemson if they make it to the championship game. But I think by then a lot of people would have already voted for the Heisman. That's the thing they always want you to wait till the very end to vote. So you know, I think Hannon Hooker has his, his moment. You know, uh, beating Alabama. Um, uh, Bryce Young, you know, every game's big with Alabama. They play so many ranked teams. Ohio State, you know, he's played really well. So it'd be interesting. I think those are the four big names, right? Is that right, John? Doug, what'd you from, say? From ECU's getting getting hyped too. Mm-hmm. I the the thing about it is, is the Heisman used to invite five up there. I don't, I don't think they've had five up there in a while. If they have, I don't pay attention to it anymore. Of course, I would if. Drake it's, May was involved up there. It's anywhere between usually two to five, three, four, five. Yeah. I don't think so today. Um, if they got to Clemson and they hadn't voted, well, it doesn't matter if they voted. They can still invite him. But if he had a big game, even in a loss against Clemson, I think he would get an invite. I asked Mac about the hype and how important that is, and you guys were talking about it too. I mean, you can't discount how much – the press brings for Carolina football and they're talking about recruits are calling them back. Um, guys are like, Hey, Hey, I didn't wait a minute. It's like, you know, the girl that was not very pretty in high school is now a movie star and you want to remember me. And so a lot of that going on What's some more questions. I don't know anything about that either. I think that's an interesting topic though. I think we're going to talk about that on the scoop next week with, with Don, cause it's kind of recruiting related related. I wrote about today, but I mean, that was just an interesting tidbit by Mac saying the recruits are calling them back. If you listen to what he said and you listen to what Phil Longo said, um, and those quotes are in, in the article, you know, it is kind of a little bit of an advertisement too, you know, like maybe not, maybe not as many recruits are calling back, but, but he's kind of saying, Hey, you know, if any top wide receivers want to come play, we're open, you know, and if you want to be a, an offensive lineman that, that, you know, blocks and for, for Drake may and does all these different things, we're open and tight ends, you know, Longo said all those things, some great stuff by, long ago about that so that was interesting uh, you know UT has 20 commitments right now they could add a couple more I'm not sure if it impacts this class as much as it could impact the 24 class um, I know Noah Rogers is the big wide receiver right from from the Raleigh area 
Yeah, Max yep. said, Max said it. If you're a wide receiver, why wouldn't you come play with Drake May? You know, he just <laughs> said it right out there. Uh, and it was an interesting point that Ross makes that Phil said, um, our system is is geared toward uh, is an NFL type system, so that's attractive for offensive linemen. Yeah, they were sort of like uh, throwing out the recruiting uh, uh, portfolio the other day. I wonder if that was a discussion. Like Mac was like, I'm gonna say this, Phil. And you're going to come in with this, and we're right, going to get a, we're going to go get some recruits. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to set you what? go in there, and you get those offensive linemen, tight ends. I'll talk about my receivers. What gets me is people dinged Longo and deemed Sam Howell last year in draft um, for having a one read system, and uh, yeah, we see how they knew what they were talking about. Um, maybe Sam Howell have- is just a one read quarterback. I don't know. I do have one more Drake May point. I think we've all been struggling to quantify just how good he is. So I I came up with an analogy. There's a famous quote by Bug Howard after the 2016 UNC Pitt game. He said, I turn 50-50 balls into 80-20 balls. I think Drake May does the same, but for games. He turns 50-50 games into 80-20 games. That's how good he is. App State, Duke, Pitt. Miami, all these games really could have gone either way, but UNC won all of them because of Drake May largely. So that's my analogy. I think Drake May turns 50-50 games into 80-20 games. He he takes the pressure off of everybody, including the defense, Mm -hmm. um, and allows guys to play free, you know, and I think that, I mean – you get under a deadline and you like stressing out and you can't get the words out. You got some writer's block. Well, if you, if you're not having to worry about that, you can knock it out. Let's talk about this question right here. Since you guys are around it thoughts on the 17 playoff ranking. A, I don't think it matters other than getting the name out there and out there. What do you think, Adam? Is this a big deal for Carolina? Mac always says it doesn't matter until the college playoff rankings come out. Well, there they are. Yeah, I think it is a big deal. I think it's cool. Uh, if if you want my take on it, I think it's a cool thing. They're in the the number seventeen. Their name has popped up there. We were talking to Chris Collins today, and uh, you know he's just talking about being a college football junkie. And we asked him, "Were you going to pay attention to the CFP rankings tonight?" He said, "Yeah, I sure am. I'm going to watch." Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it can only be a good thing. And you know, hey, it'll be interested to see. You know, it's just another thing about this season that that makes it feel like a special season to this point you know if if unc keeps winning games and keeps climbing up you know it's it's a fun thing to look forward to if you're a Tar Heel fan and for the program it's great you always see the name of the school go by when they're talking about it whether it's on espn or whatever you see unc float by on the on the ticker 17 and all that stuff and if you're not ranked especially this time of year, you never see it. It doesn't matter what's going on. Right. That's that's why it's a huge deal for North Carolina to be ranked. It doesn't matter who they play, like the Rock. You know, it doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter who they play. There's 17 in there. Um, why do you just keep that one up there? Walter Holt, is, is he giving yeah, John props? I, I, I was messing up, but, yeah, I, was, I wanted to show that one. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Thank you, Walter. You do kick the knowledge a lot. I'm impressed with the amount of knowledge you kick. Uh, Adam, you know, with, ahead, with, the play, with the playoff thing here, you know, UNC is one of the, you know, last couple teams that can still kind of make it. If they went out, beat Clemson, some things might have to go their way on the, on the, in other conferences. But 
there's a chance for for UNC being a discussion. I don't. I'm not sure. Clemson's good, but I don't know if it's the Clemson of old this year either. So we'll see. Let's talk about it though. How high can they realistically go? Is there a ceiling, even if UNC makes it, you know, throughout the rest of the season? Because you look at Clemson, it looks like there's a ceiling on Clemson, just given the ACC as a conference. Clemson's probably not going to get past that four spot, maybe three spot. So do you think there's a ceiling for where UNC ends up? I think you look at it like the NCAA tournament. You just beat who's in front of you. You know, you don't have to beat the field. You don't have to beat Duke, Kansas, and Kentucky. You just have to beat who's in front of you. You know know what I'm saying? And then that sort of can get you there. You keep winning these games. I mean, you know, like the – Ohio State and Michigan are going to take each other out. Uh, you know, like, look at what's going to happen to the SEC, although who knows, the SEC could get four te- three teams in the thing. Um, but that's kind of how I look at it. Like, just, you know, take care of your path, and then your path can work itself out. And the thing about the SEC, you mentioned the teams, and I don't want to make this that podcast, but Georgia and Tennessee play this weekend. And then mm-hmm. one of them is going to have to play Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so some – or one of those three teams is going to have two losses, you know. So I think that's going to knock one of them out. You know, the, UNC the, has easier. Sorry, go ahead, Tommy. No, Carolina. I know where you're going there. Carolina has an easier route, but the problem with Carolina deal, and this is the ACC in general, is if Carolina loses, the only chance they have to be is twelve and one. Because if they lose, say they lose to Wake, and then they still beat Clemson, they they're going to drop like a rock if they lose. Mm-hmm to anybody and they'll drop too much if they lose to Clemson. So um, it's not valued as much. Go ahead, Ross. Yeah. I was going to say like, they just have an easier route. Like they don't have to play high state or Michigan or, you know, their toughest game on the schedule is Wake Forest, which is a, I think a beatable game. And then it's Clemson. And Clemson will be the, you know, they have a path to get there and that's through Clemson. Yeah. Well, you need Clemson to be undefeated. Obviously you need Clemson to be, have not, lost at all if you're wanting to to max this thing out here yeah and fields pierce corrects me uh and says there's a path for those teams that have one loss so either way carolina has to win out and then see what happens i think i still think they'd be on the outside looking in i tell you what i saw a bowl projection that i think would be pretty awesome alabama in the orange bowl are you kidding that would be epic that would be epic I don't know. I don't know if we're ready for that one, folks. All right, segue basketball talk. Gonna make a lot of people in the chat mad, but we sort of talked about it. Throw that question up again. Carolina and State play, and they overlap with Carolina and Villanova. What are you guys gonna do? How how are you gonna cover both games, Ross Martin? <laughs> we don't know. It's gonna be Villanova. It could well, be Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, we've discussed this. Adam and I are going to Portland. Um, we'll have we'll have enough people here to, to cover. I'm not sure what I could say. Uh, uh, it, it it'll work out. But Adam, we might need might need Tommy to come up and step in and cover it. Ooh, that's the state. I mean, there's a lot of experience. There's a lot of institutional knowledge right up yeah. there in the little box. Yeah, you talking but, uh, about this box? Like, are you below me on this? You, the OG. I have institutional knowledge. I covered the Furman game, the 28-3 Furman game, and I covered some of the greatest Carolina games in history in 99 and 2000. So, you're how, ready you to handle, how are you going to handle post-game podcasts for that week, Tommy? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. 
I can uh, I can do a post game from Keenan Stadium. You know, the Wi Fi is great. I'm joking. You don't do clearly. you don't do all um, you don't do all the early games for basketball, right? Um, you know, not the probably won't do all the mm-hmm. givens, but I mean games like that for sure. Yeah. We'll see how it works out. But like you said, Inside Carolina's got a ton of people can cover all the bases. Um, Adam, let's talk just briefly about basketball. It starts, I guess, before we talk again on Monday, right? UNCW comes to town. Um, is this team as good as people saying they are? I yes. mean, obviously we don't know, but do you believe this team will be as good as people are saying? What are they saying? I mean, they're number one. They pick, they're number one in the preseason, right? Like, what are you like? Number one national championship or bust stuff like that. I mean, I think they're as good as anyone out there, and I think that uh, to quote one Hubert Davis, there's a hunger and a thirst. How many times have we heard that one already, Ross? Uh, <laughs> you guys in the chat, just get ready. You're going to hear hunger and thirst a lot out of uh, Hubie, but uh, yeah, I mean. You know, I mean, I think Carolina is deeper than they were last year. I think they – all those guys got that experience of that tournament run. Um, you know, I, I you know, I think the addition of Pete Nance is is critical. And, uh, like, I mean, I, I just think that all the parts are in place, including the motivation, uh, knowing what it takes. Um, the reasons they're here is to, you know, try to chase this thing. They will tell you that quickly. Um so yeah, I think I mean I think they're deserving of being the number one team in the preseason nationally. I think they're deserving of being picked to win the ACC. And yes, they're going to lose some games. They will lose a game or two or three or four, and people will freak out. Like Roy used to say, they'll talk about the sky falling. But um, it's college I basketball. A, I got a question for Adam. What stood out to you from the exhibition game? What what, what you know? Two or three takeaways are you, are you coming out of the, of. Uh, Smith Center after that game I mean this might sound weird but I was kind of surprised DeMarco Dunn started but I guess I shouldn't be surprised knowing just the way that that the Carolina way of doing things I thought Seth Trimble would start but yeah I mean again I guess he's a freshman DeMarco Dunn DeMarco Dunn looked pretty good hey I mean Baycott had 20 boards Caleb Love had 20 points it was kind of like you know picking up where you left off um you know was there a player that stood out to you other than Dunn or Trimble or do you think it's going to be an impact player? Well, yeah. Nance had 19 points. I thought that uh, that Trimble and Tyler Nickel looked good off the bench. I think they both had nine points. Um, I don't have the box score right in front of me, but um, I thought Nickel looked like he had a nice shot. Uh, Jocelyn C. Smith. I mean, how much can you glean from this thing? Jocelyn C. Smith played a lot of zone. And uh, T. Nick, as they call him, Ross, hit a couple threes. Um, you know, I think – go ahead. I think Tyler Nichol is the most interesting guy. Maybe not on this team, but moving forward, man, I can't wait to see what he does. I can't, I can't wait to see the Ross Martin, Tyler Nichol interviews. It's the two deepest voices in Chapel Hill. Yeah, who's um, got I mean, you take an x-ray of Tyler Nichol, and you got multiple Rottweilers inside of him. He's got, that, <laughs> he's got that dog inside of him. He's got the tattoos. He's got that, that accent he has, that Southwest Virginia accent. I don't know what you call it, but. I mean, he's red, you know, he's got red hair. I mean, what more do you want? There's um, a lot going on there. There's yeah, a lot going so, on there. And, uh, look, I think he can score. And so I'm interested to see. Uh, hopefully he can get some time this year. But, you know, he may, you know, I mean, I'm interested to see what his career is like. Yeah, I mean, don't forget, like, the four guys didn't even play. I mean, we didn't expect Jalen Washington to play, but R.J. Davis didn't play. Puff Johnson didn't play. Justin McCoy didn't play. Um, 
Dontrez Styles, I think, had 10 rebounds. Like, he played pretty well. I thought everybody was – I mean, it's an exhibition game. I thought everybody was fine. I mean, we were talking about Portland earlier. I mean, we might not know a ton about this team in terms of new information. This is a, a lot of the same guys from last year until they until they play somebody that's not UNCW or College of Charleston or Gardner Webb, I think, are like their first three games. So, mm-hmm. um didn't Caleb I, I, Love have eight assists? He did. I think that's a big deal. Hubert said, I think he said in the pregame thing <laughs> that he could lead the ACC in assists, and everybody was like, that, that ain't happening. And he goes he out said and that he eight. challenged him to lead the ACC. In- <laughs> Go ahead, Ross. That, that might be that kind of it might be where his NBA, you know, you know, develop his game. You know, he's a scorer, develop his game as an assist guy. I think the most important thing about this team and why they're going to be so successful is veteran, two veteran guards. College basketball is a guard-centric game. Um, they have two point guards, guys that can handle the ball, that can score, that can distribute, and they're clutch from the free throw line. I think having two junior guards who are both in their th- pretty much their third year starting, RJ was kind of a part-time starter as a freshman, that is huge. I mean, I mean what a luxury to have yeah, and, and, two and, junior guards that are and, really, and, really good. Yeah, and look, look, look in the Baylor game. Baylor got mm-hmm. behind so far, and we can talk about how they got back in it. But their guards got them back in it um, because they didn't panic. And the second part that you mentioned, Ross, is the free throw shooting. I mean, you can't you can't underestimate or overstate, excuse me, how important making free throws is late in ball games. I mean, Love yeah. steps up in the Duke game and makes three of four there at the end. He doesn't do that. They may not win that game. He yeah. wants yeah. to take those free throws. Caleb Love, Love he he absolutely at the end of game wants to take free throws. You know, he'll cover up. He'll go get the ball. He wants to get fouled. That was yeah. a huge part of their success down the stretch. I mean, Love being able to seal games, it was like not a question. And UNC's missed that. I think they missed that in the last five, six years with someone who could, you know, they've always had games where they missed free throws. Yeah, miss free throws get you beat, especially in the tournament. I think uh, what I saw in the exhibition was they played defense, even though it was the competition level. They had good spacing. I was I wondered what we would see with Pete Dance out there with Baycott, because two big guys like to take up the same space a lot. We saw that a ton with Brooks out there with Baycott. I guess Sterling Manley played some um, that year, and Kessler and all them. They were all stacked on top of each other. It'll be interesting to see. I still go back to thinking, though, this team was a mess in January. And now we're talking about they're the best team in the country. I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but I think they'll get there. Anything left, boys? I think the thing that we just threw up there, uh, some gentleman said something about a special season. I think that, I mean, there's a lot of special things happening between football. There you go. UNC Tar, what a name. UNC Tar 2001. Uh there's a lot of special things happening here in November uh, between football and basketball. I think it's a pretty cool time. Indeed. Out somebody at Water Holt, we'll get you – this is your uh, fourth question, so you're going to have to send us Venmo um, for all the questions. Outside of national title, uh, what does success look like? I think if you expect a national title, and that's going to be a disappointment if you don't get it, uh, then, you know, that's not realistic. That's just my take. As R.J. Davis said at ACC Media Day, it's championship or bust. I think you know it's they're going to be it's going to be a disappointing season. They don't win national championship. I think a Final Four is a another Final Four is an incredible accomplishment. You don't think of it that way, but winning a regional and getting the Final Four is a is back to back Final Fours is a huge accomplishment. But 
the way UNC basketball has been built over the years, you know, it's it's national championships. It's banners. So, And you got to stay healthy. One tweak of an ankle can change everything. I think we're done. <laughs> Last year at the end of the season. Exactly. They stayed incredibly healthy. They stayed incredibly healthy all year. And then Armando goes down against Duke. And then Caleb twists his and Manic gets his lights knocked out. <laughs> He might have Kansas. There, Mike. <laughs> that dude wasn't concussed. I've never seen somebody with a concussion. Um, anyway, played a hell of a game still. It's been on the beat live. Anything else before I get out of here? You got any stat of the day, John? I like that shirt, Tommy. What year did uh, what year was that a release? I like that one. I, I don't know. It's, it's not dry fit, so it was before that. It actually says Johnny T-shirt on the back. We need to bring this one back. I kind of like it. People have offered to buy it off my back, and I'm like, I, I, I gotta have a shirt on, so I can I really think we should make some merch, but it's just a list of all the backup quarterbacks. You know, like that Cleveland Browns jersey with like all the names crossed out. That should be the shirt for this show. Something about Tommy Ashley's favorite quarterback, and then the back just is all those names. A bunch of different numbers. <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah. Game plan Thursday night, uh, coast to coast tomorrow. Greg Barnes and I will have a special guest for Next Level, released on YouTube only um, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. Yeah, tomorrow at, at dinner time. Uh, Coast to Coast will be released in the morning. Go ahead, Ross. I got one thing, Tommy. We're doing the math. You talk about a game five times during the week. <laughs> you do on the beat. You do the new one with Greg. What's it called again? Next Level? Next Level. You do game plan. You do the radio show for two hours, and you do the post game. That's incredible. You talk about one game five times. Professional. That's Professional or I was, like, I was like, dang. Because I, I run out of things to talk about in this one. That's just incredible. <laughs> That's why we shoot the breeze a lot. I don't know. It's interesting to me. And it's about all I know. Appreciate it. On the Beat Live. It's been on the Beat Live. It's been live. It's 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock on the East Coast. Let's get out of here. Johnny T-Shirt, Blue Shark, Adam Smith, Ross Martin. John Bowman and an NBA Cares. I'm Tommy Ashley. See you next time. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right. Welcome into Calling the Shots. Brought to you by Blue Shark Vodka, the smoothest vodka in the world. We're in person here. I'm your host, Ross Martin. Joined, as always, by Jeff Schottmer in Chapel Hill in our uh, inside kind of offices here. We want to thank Blue Shark Vodka for the sponsorship of this show. We're coming to you after UNC's 42-24 win over Pitt. UNC's now 7-1, 4-0 in the ACC, 4-0 in the Coastal. A stranglehold now on the Coastal Division. Jeff, you were at the game. You were the hype man before the game. Uh, we're heard live, so a little bit of a special show. Your initial thoughts uh, of UNC's game overall before we get into a couple topics. And we start every week with this, you know, all we're trying to do is just win, you know, seven and one, four and oh in the ACC, another home victory. But it's the same storyline every week. It's it's Drake May 
who is the best quarterback in the ACC and a potential Heisman candidate. It's Josh Downs. It's our skill position. And then it's our defense. You know, they're making stops when they need to at times. And over the last four or five games, we've looked, you know, like a, like a competent defense. So Yeah, it's like opportunistic defense as well. I mean, the turnovers against Duke yeah. uh, were huge. And then the turnover, the forced fumble against Pitt in the second half was big to kind of give UNC a bigger lead. Um, yeah, Drake May was fantastic. 34 for 44, 388 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, I saw him on Twitter last night getting mentioned for the Heisman by some, like, national reporters. The momentum's getting there. His stats are as good as anybody in the nation. Josh Downs and Antoine Green had two of their best games of the season. Downs, 11 catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns. Green, 10 catches, 180 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, and really, UNC kind of abandoned the run game. I know we're going to talk about that more, but they only got, what was it here, uh, 86 yards on the ground, and 61 of those were by Drake. So nothing really cooking in the run game. Let's get into our topics. Drake May off the top and the wide receiver duo for UNC. Your initial thoughts on those three guys. Drake has – what he did in this game is what he's done the whole year. You know, he he's so mobile in the pocket. He navigates the pocket so well. His I think what, what we saw in this game more so than we've seen in, in you know, games past was his arm strength. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned it earlier, you know, his ability to throw from one hash of the field to the far sideline on a deep comeback or a deep, you know, deep out route. And not a lot of quarterbacks in college have that ability. And, and Drake just makes it look so easy. When you saw him, because you were on the staff last year, when you saw him as a true freshman, did you see that talent in practice? And, and I'll be completely honest. He had a, a lot of raw ability, but he wasn't as polished as he is now. Yeah. So, you know, when I left, you know, after the 2021 season, obviously he had, you know, was Sam's backup that whole year and he got to learn under Sam. But, you know, he would he would get a bunch of practice reps versus our twos and threes and you would see flashes of his ability to make big time throws. But he was a true freshman. Mm -hmm. So he he did make some mistakes. But, you know, that's what you do in practice. Um, But the development he had from, you know, January right after the South Carolina Bowl game up until this season, you know, all the coaches that I've, I've talked to just raved about, you know, the, the hard work he put in. Um, the, the talent was obviously always there, but just the consistency level now is at a point where, you know, he's solidified himself as the top quarterback in the ACC and, you know, top three or four in the country. Yeah, all these shows, like there's only so much you can say about the guy, but just every game he shows up, he hasn't really had a, a poor performance. He's had one, you know, maybe not as good, but this game, you know, uh, completed 75% of his passes. He's averaging, I think, 69% um, on the season. This is his fourth, sorry, fifth straight game of 300 plus yards. Um, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I mean, I think it's, it's going to be hard if he's not going to be a top number one pick or at least top five pick NFL draft next season. Remember, he's a redshirt freshman, so he only has to play two years in college as an actual player, three years in college before leaving for the NFL. Okay, Josh Downs and Antoine Green. I thought this was Antoine Green's best game as Tario. Yeah. 10 catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns, was getting open. Let's talk about Green first and then Downs and kind of get into how those two guys make it so difficult for a defense. So Antoine Green has a, has a crazy story, right? He was it was a very highly re- uh, rated recruit, and he comes in and, you know, gets hurt his freshman year. He kind of battles some injuries, and, you know, I think Tar Heel fans were like, when is this kid going to step up? Yeah. And Antoine Green has arrived. And I want to give him a bunch of credit. You know, Lonnie Galloway has done a great job develop- developing him over these last couple of years. But but AG kind of blocked out all the noise that, 
you know, he wasn't producing. And now this is the, the, the fully healthy yeah. Antoine Green that looks like an NFL draft pick. Yeah, he struggled with injuries, like you mentioned. Like, it, it was the it was a collarbone or some injury against Syracuse yeah. or, or some injury like that. Yeah. And then um, – he broke, he broke his foot versus – or his leg versus Syracuse Was that in Syracuse? 2018. Okay, yeah, as a freshman. And, like, he was a highly-rated recruit. And sometimes it takes time. You yeah. know, it doesn't all happen as a freshman, sophomore, junior. Sometimes it takes – three, four years in a strength conditioning program to get to where you need to do. He is performing. He has that speed. You know, his crisp routes, he's getting open. And, of course, we have a great quarterback like Drake. It makes things easier. Uh, Josh Downs, 11 catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns. You know, he only had three catches for eight yards in the first half. Yeah. And then Mac Brown said in the post-game press conference, we had to give him the ball more. He had to, we had to target him more. He finished with 17 targets. So Josh Downs, more of the same, but just so quick, so precise, um, just gets past the cornerback, creates separation, creates a window for Drake Bay. Yeah, so here's what Pitt does on defense, right? They, they're they not going to change as long as Pat Narduzzi's there. You know, they have an attacking-style quarters coverage defense where essentially they're on an island. The safeties have the slot receivers man-to-man on vertical routes, and the cornerbacks have the outside receivers on vertical routes. So, you know, if, if our – offensive lines in a two-by-two set with Josh Downs in the slot, we know that that safety from 10 yards of depth has Josh Downs man-to-man, essentially, if he runs a vertical route. Mm -hmm. So it's so hard for a safety who is traditionally known as more of a run defender to flat-foot cover Josh Downs with 10 yards of cushion. So Josh Downs is so good at, at, you know, his his body control, his crisp routes, his, his movement ability is so much better than these safeties. It's just, it's such a mismatch. And stay tuned. After this segment, this portion of the show, we're going to bring out this whiteboard. I know a lot of people on the message boards have been asking for Jeff to do a little X and O's breakdown. We're going to swing the whiteboard over here, and we're going to have a good 10-15 minute session of breaking down quarters coverage, breaking down what UNC does on defense, UNC's run game blocking scheme. So stay tuned for that. Um, obviously, I mean, when you have two really good wide receivers, yeah. it makes a challenge for defense. What, what kind of stuff does Josh Downs, Antoine Green do to a defense? How does it stress them? What does a defense coordinator have to like do when he sees those talented receivers with that talented of a quarterback? So what we saw yesterday is, is Pitt, they had to play Antoine Green one-on-one. They couldn't double him because, they're like I said, they're playing their true quarters defense where when we put Antoine Green outside, we know he's one-on-one with that cornerback, and he's got no help because the safety's covering Josh Downs in the slot. So we know that, and Antoine Green knew this going into the game, that all he's got to do is win his one-on-one outside, and that's why we threw him a bunch of vertical routes, vertical knockdowns where he sells like he's running vertical and then settles down mm-hmm. because the corner, you know, is getting – he's breaking his cushion. Uh, but we knew going into the game that, you know, this is their defense. They played this way, you know, the last four or five years we played them, and they're going to give us some issues in the run game, and they did. And that's kind of why we abandoned that run game and just went to – throw game I think we threw the ball we dropped back 50 something times I mean Drake obviously had some scramble attempts and some sacks yeah some sacks but um, 44 times threw the ball 44 times threw the ball 44 times yeah so it's a little high for Drake yeah this was kind of the theme in Mac Brown's press conference and I wrote about it after the game on insideofcarolina.com um Mac was like look we wouldn't run we weren't running the ball very well we abandoned the run game and said let's just throw we have a great quarterback he's very accurate we have two great wide receivers Let's just have an extension of the run game through passing. Let's look downfield to our stud wide receivers. And that's what they did, and it worked. Um, it's kind of the philosophy of Phil Longo of giving, taking what the defense gives you. Your thoughts on that kind of philosophy? Does that work? 
is that the right play when your run game's not not successful? Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> and obviously it works. Yeah, yeah. forty two I mean, points, and, and yeah. you know, Drake obviously throws for you know over three fifty. I think what was it three eighty eight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and give Longo so much credit because you know he adapt he's adapted with this uh, strength of our skill players now. You know, he's not trying to you know, force the run game all the time, especially when we have some running backs that are banged up. Mm-hmm. You know, you see earlier in the season, he's using our tight ends a bunch that he hasn't done in the past. But this game, he knew that our two best skilled players that were healthy were Josh and Antoine and Drake obviously getting them the ball. So he, you know, took what Pitt gave us in that quarter's coverage where we knew that we were going to have one-on-ones all day with Josh and Antoine. And when we exposed him in that. Antoine said after the game, he was like, we knew the coverages they were giving us, and we executed. All right, uh, and a couple notes here. Injuries that we're recording on Sunday morning. So injuries we know of right now that, that kind of left the game on Saturday night. Noah Taylor with a knee, a non-contact knee. You know, he's starting Jack for UNC. Des Evans left the game. Um, not sure his status. Nesbitt only played five snaps. He was not a factor in offense. Excuse me, did play many offensive snaps. And Caleb Hood left the game as well. That's why Elijah Green ended up getting the majority of carries for UNC. So, I mean, that's, what, four starters, you know, three and a half starters for UNC, potentially out. I know Rucker was also banged up, but I think he did finish the game. So that's offense. Let's move to defense. Um, I think the key here is the second half, UNC's playing great. There's some tweet out there, and man, I can easily find it here, pull up the old Twitter machine. Um, last four games, so that's Pitt, Duke, Miami, Virginia Tech. Yep. Yeah. Um, UNC's defense has given up a total of 28 points in the second half. So 28 points in four games in, in the, the four second halves. Um, that's a product of adjusting, of players adjusting, um, and, and making opportune stops. The key here was that fumble and fumble recovery forced by Kamen Rucker and Cedric Gray, and then getting off the field in the second half and then allowing the offense to go score. That's what they did. Your thoughts in general on the defense, and we'll get into some particulars. Yeah, if you look at the last four games, and our four ACC games, our defense is allowing under 25 points a game. And if you pair that with our offense, which is a top 10 in the country, number one in the ACC that scores 40-plus a game, that is a recipe for success. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're not killing ourselves. We're not shooting ourselves in the foot anymore as we were early in the season. We're playing competent defense. We're, we're essentially playing the bend, don't break that everyone was kind of talking about going into the season. You know, we're allowing teams to put up some yards. But at the end of the day, the, the number one statistic in defensive football is the score and how many points you allow. I thought holding them to the field goal at the end of the game, at the end of the first half, yeah. and then UNC went down and scored a touchdown to make it 14-17 was huge. And then you look here in the second half, Pitt scored a touchdown. Yep. And then from there on, it was punt, fumble, punt, turnover and downs, and that was the ball game. Uh, a little Some stats here for Pitt. Um, 131 yards of rushing. That's not awful. You know, Israel Abenkande had 127. He kind of he got what he expected, three touchdowns, but not much else. In the passing game, I mean, Kinsos is okay, 14 for 31. He was better in the first half, right. 236 yards, nothing special. Um, so the defense, you know, was was okay in the first half, but I thought really good in the second half, and that fumble was huge. Changed momentum and allowed UNC to step up. Any players um, – kind of show up for you. I, I'll say Legend Cavazos made some plays. We haven't seen him. Don Chapman played more for yep. Geo Biggers a little bit. And Storm Duck, 
you know, Duck and Grimes get torched. They get up when you when a cornerback gets torched, they get a lot of fan um, anger. But Duck made some big plays in the second half as well. Any guys stood out to you? Yeah, it always starts with Cedric Gray, in my yeah. opinion. You know, he's he's the heart and soul of that defense, and he's the the leader of the whole team. You know, you see him rallying the guys, and um, he, he's he's done a great job for us. He he commands the whole defense well, just because. He's right in the middle. He's the heart of the defense, right? He's got to communicate with the secondary. He's got to communicate with the D-line. He's got to communicate with the other linebackers, power and rah-rah, whoever's in the game with him. So, you know, I keep harping on on him every week, and he's just continuing to develop, and he looks like a a surefire NFL linebacker. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Like, you think Cedric Gray is an NFL guy? I do. Like, I've talked to multiple – I've talked to a a Dallas Cowboys scout that I, you know, developed a relationship with over the years, and, you know, he said he looks like a mid-round guy if he were to come out this year. So maybe, you know, four, five, six round. Um, if he were to stay next year, they yeah. think he can be a, you know, a top three round guy. Yeah, he has a size, you know, six two, six three, fast, big. Um, I thought Ritzy looked well. He played a lot. Um, I thought Rucker, you know, with Desmond Evans coming out, Noah Taylor going out, Rucker played a bit more. He had a key sack in yeah. the third quarter um, on third and nine, and then UNC scored on that next possession to push it to 28-24. And after the forced fumble, which Rucker forced on fourth, third and one, uh, late early in the fourth, uh, put UNC up 35-24. And from that point, the game kind of got out of control for Pitt. All right, um, before I, we – go ahead. I think the Noah Taylor injury is one to monitor. I mean, that's huge for yeah. our defense. He's He's been our most consistent D lineman this whole year, and – if, if he's unable to play the rest of the year, I think that's a big loss for us. You know, you see critical plays throughout the whole year. The App State game, he makes a huge play on the two-point conversion to win the game. I mean, Duke, he played really well. He's just been as solid as, as we've seen from a defender besides Cedric and Power. Yeah, yeah, I would say uh, Cedric Gray and Noah Taylor have been the two best defenders for UNC. I mean, it, if he, no news here, if he is out for the season, you know, Virginia's next week. You know, he, yeah. that's where he played for four right. years. Probably the game for him. And, you know, you transfer hoping to boost your NFL stock. So yeah. it's, it's a tough. And if Desmond Evans, who knows his status too. But so look for Chris Collins to play more. Chris Collins played a lot uh, against Pitt. Look for Malachi Hamrick to play more, the true freshman, uh, if Noah Taylor isn't set to go. Um, before we get into some run game stuff briefly, one talks about Blue Shark Vodka. Smoothest vodka in the world. Out of Riceville Beach. Local. Independent. We want to thank them for sponsoring the Call in the Shots show. We've got Jeff here in person, Connor Barth, Smooth Vodka in the World, Blue Shark Vodka, available in all 100 counties. Had some um, had some before the game at Tailgate, the Blue Shark Vodka Tailgate down in Bowles Lot. You got Kelsey, Caitlin, Dustin Duke, Coulter. They had all the bottles of Blue Shark Vodka. They had a Blue Shark Vodka cake. They had some fall cocktail. They're big Blue Shark Vodka fans. Uh, very accessible price point available in all 100 North Carolina, North Carolina counties. Blue Shark Vodka support a local, independently owned vodka company. Blue Shark Vodka. Check them out on Instagram and online. Got a little logo here. I want to thank them for their support. Okay, UNC's run game. We talked about it a little bit briefly here. They kind of abandoned the run. What was? We're gonna diagram some stuff with UNC. But what do you think just wasn't working? Was it a matter of numbers? Um, Pitt bringing two people in the box. Was there anything that stuck out to you about UNC's run game? I think there was two things. I think it was the number of run defenders they had, you know, mm-hmm. drawing attention to the game. So it's when we're when they're in quarters coverage, the safeties are in the run game as well. 
So they, they would have a receiver vertical, but they're also, you know, responsible in the run game too. They have, they have a fit. So, um, and the, the D line with Pitt has always been really good. You know, they, they twist a bunch and they, you know, penetrate, get movement. So, I mean, they're good players. They, they had, you know, I think one or two guys that were all ACC last year. They, they always have good linebackers. Um, they pressure their inside backers a bunch. So it makes it hard to block up front. So, it, I mean, look, take what the, take what the defense is giving yeah. you. If, uh, and look, every time we threw the ball, we were having success. So why not keep throwing the ball? Um, and the extension of the run game, that was big under Larry Fedora as well. Can you talk a little about like that, getting the ball to players in the flat? Yeah, so just quick passes, you know, that get get our get the balls to our playmaker in space. You mm-hmm. know, so Josh Downs is in the backfield. He runs a little swing route. You know, he catches the ball with a defender that's five yards away. So he has, he has space to operate and, and uh, you know, he can make a miss easier. Um, it's, you know, quick, easy throws for Drake, you know, kind of to not let the Pittsburgh D-line D get, get rushing and affect Drake and us having to block him more. So uh, Phil Longo had a, had a great game. I was, was going to say, you know, Longo makes adjustments. He does little wrinkles. I mean, a great call game. I mean, he is emerging as one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. And his name is, you know, on there for some, some group of five head coaching jobs as well. Okay. That's kind of the breakdown of the first segment of the show here. A couple other topics we want to talk about. First, let's talk about Jeff, hype man Jeff here <laughs> in Keene Stadium. Our producer, John, wanted to hear about it. You were chosen to kind of be the pregame hype guy. Usually goes to a former player. What was it like out there hyping up the crowd? What was your mindset like? Were you nervous? All that stuff. You know, I was, I was curious of why they chose me to do it, yeah. but, you know, I – I'm, I was honored. Uh, Jeremy Sharp, our I guess sports information director, kind yeah. of media guy, he he texted me earlier in the week because I let him know I was coming in town, and uh, you know he, he gave me the list of guys that had done it. You know earlier this season, it was Trey Boston, you know seven year NFL guy, Jeff Saturday, you know is he maybe a pro football Hall of Famer, yeah. and and then they go to me. So I'm just like I don't know where I fit in that list, but I was honored to do it. Um, you know I, I kind of got some in- inspiration from Pat McAfee. I love watching that yeah. guy. He always brings the juice. Yeah, had a little wrestler vibe out there. I'm, I'm glad you like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the funny thing about it was, so I, I guess, you know, I hype up the crowd. I had a good time doing it. But the first possession of the game, Pitt goes down and scores. I'm like, maybe <laughs> maybe it didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we ended up, you know, pulling out. And you get, like, the tar heel chant yeah. going there. You had the hat on. You had the, the jacket on. The, the hair's jeans. going back. Yeah. So I think people recognize you with the hat. Back. I'm sure some younger fans are probably like, who's that? <laughs> yeah. For <laughs> yeah. sure. Okay. Um, this is another question from uh, John, our producer here in studio, helping us out here. He wanted to know about the impact of the bulletin board material that Pitt, a Pitt linebacker said about Drake May. I'm paraphrasing here. They said we're going to hit Drake hard, and if he doesn't get up, that's not our problem. So obviously kind of a threatening, foreboding, kind of we're going to get this guy down. Um, after the game, I asked Coach Mac Brown, you know, did the players know about that? He was like, the team was aware of those quotes. What I mean – what does that do for a team? What's motivation is that? I mean, does that really make a difference? Do you see that kind of stuff? How can it you know, galvanize a team heading to a game like that? So I think Mac does a really good job of each week trying to find one little thing that goes on throughout the course of this, you know, the week to give our team just a little bit of an edge. You know, whether that's a bulletin board material from a pit guy, whether that's a, you know, a cancer awareness game, something like that, mm-hmm. to give to give our guys just a little bit of extra motivation to play harder. I mean, obviously I know they're motivated to try to win every game and, you know, we have 
bigger goals on our hand than you know we're trying to win the ACC championship. We're trying to you know you know win every game we can. We're trying to win our bowl game, but just Mac does a good job of poking the bear a little bit yeah. and showing our guys you know what they're saying. I think it was more of a challenge for our offensive line. Yeah. You know they've kind of been criticized over the past couple of years, but when an offensive line unit sees that being said throughout the week, especially talking about Drake and how they're going to hit him. I think they play with a, a little more chip on their shoulder because they know that, you know, they're responsible for keeping Drake upright. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and while we're on the offensive line, you know, I spoke to some sources this morning, and there's just been a general improvement on the offensive line, I think, across the board. I think having Corey Gaynor at center has really helped um, kind of anchor the middle of the line. Uh, Austin Richards, we're not talking about him enough. I think John mentioned him on, on the Beat podcast. You know, he's had a great game, a great season. The fact that we don't talk about him – kind of means he's doing well, right, with yeah. left tackle. Um, Spencer Rowland, William Barnes, Ed Montillas. Overall, with the uh, bringing on Jack Becknell, it seems like the O-line's a little bit better in, in run protection, or sorry, in pass protection, you know, improving run um, run blocking overall. I mean, if you notice the difference offensive line? I just think we're more cohesive as a unit. Uh, yeah. we, we move together well. I think there's less blocking errors on, on and IDing fronts from the defensive line, you know, that's that's one way a, a defensive line can really confuse an offensive line. You know, the stemming the front. You know, playing different techniques, whether it's a three to shade. You know, three down versus four down, things of that nature. And I think our our offensive line is just gelling together more. I think they're they're more veteran. Obviously, you know, you get Roland. The, uh, he's a transfer to play a lot of football. Mm-hmm. Corey Gaynor started a bunch of games. Now Austin Richards in his third year starting. Yep. I mean, all these guys are just more seasoned, more veteran. Obviously, Big Nell has done a great job. Um, yeah, I think there's more to be desired in run blocking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But pass blocking, which is an issue with Sam Howell, Sam yeah. Howell, you know, did not have the best offensive line in terms of pass blocking. Um, the, the source told me said, you know, I wish that Sam Howell had this offensive line to throw behind. And I think part of it is 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 Drake and how he navigates so well in the pocket, and he's not afraid to check the ball down and throw it away. Yeah, I yeah. think Sam was more of a gunslinger would you know, stay in the pocket longer, let our routes develop, and, and always thought that he could make the big throw. Yeah. I think Drake is more, you know, he's like he's like Tom Brady in a way. He just makes the winning play. He makes the right play. He doesn't always take the 40-yard post. He'll throw the, you know, two-yard check down and let our, one of our running backs make a guy miss and get seven. Yeah, there's less of a deep passing game where you're waiting for that guy to get open deep, deep, deep. Drake will hit the guy across the middle. Maybe it helps he's a little bit taller. can kind of see those Absolutely. plays develop across the middle there. We've had a, a Tom Brady now reference for Drake May. I've heard a Justin Herbert Justin reference. Herbert. So, uh, a good company. They're coming out there. <laughs> All right, before we get out of here, we move to the whiteboard X and O section uh, of this podcast, this show. A little bit about the depth. Uh, I think there's a little bit of a topic here. You know, UNC loses Taylor, Evans, Nesbitt, Hood, and they got better. I mean, they they, they pulled over in, in the in the second half. Think and Mac mentioned this recruiting is starting to show a little bit. They they didn't have much drop off. I don't know if you've noticed that at all, but just having the the second player not you know, not be you know, be able to compete and play as well as the stars was huge in this game. Your thoughts on the talent and depth of this team maybe starting to show here after what eight games. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is in the D-line. We're, yeah. we're playing a bunch of guys. You know, Travis Shaw's getting snaps. Uh, we, we saw the week prior, or two weeks prior, uh, when we were playing Miami, you know, you get Keyshawn Silver in there for the first time, really, and he mm-hmm. plays nine or ten plays. Um, I mean, if you look at the stats, we got ten guys in the D-line that are playing. Is that right? 
something like that. 10, 11. Uh, yeah, but Jacoby Cowan played 26 snaps. You know, came in Rucker, Javari Ritzy. The names we talked about in preseason are finally right. showing it and playing. And that means the staff is um, counting on them. I and mean, we mentioned uh, Don Chapman's playing more now. Um, you know, you have Will Hardy, Cavazos. You're seeing a little more on defense. The staff trusting a little bit more. That's what you expect kind of this point of the season. All right, players of the game, offense. So you can give it to Drake May every game. Yeah. Uh, you give it to Josh Downs 90% of the games. But I'm going to go Antoine Green for this one. You know, his biggest game is in a Tar Heel. And in, in, in a game that is arguably the, one of the biggest we've had maybe since 2015. You know, we're in the in the lead for the Coastal. And, and we control our own destiny. And it was a game where we had to have a big performance. And we needed someone to step up other than Drake and Josh. And, and Antoine was the guy. So I want to give him a bunch of credit. Uh, proud of what he's overcome. And now he's turned himself into a damn good college football player. Yeah, Sam Howell tweeted, uh, Antoine Green is an NFL wide receiver uh, midway through the game. Um, I think he makes Josh Downs better. I think when he got when he came back from his injury, it kind of changed the offense, opened it up a little bit more. I'll give it to Drake May, 34 for 44, 388 yards, five touchdowns, big-time throws. Um, you know, just balling out every game, the consistency, uh, making plays, and just you know his touchdown passes, some are, are unbelievable. Drake May on defense. We already talked about them. Uh, defense player of the game. Uh, Cedric Gray. Your guy. I mean, yeah, that's – look, I can't say enough good things about him. He was sideline to sideline. He – I think I saw on PFF he graded as the highest guy, you know, 90-plus percentage. Um, you know, PFF, we can't always trust their judgment. They don't know the, the play calls and, and what exactly is going down. But, you know, they, they have a good football awareness, and they do know what's going on. And, and uh, Cedric Gray, once again, he uh, – you know, the big force fumble – Yep. He had a TFL in the first half. Uh, he just he does a lot of things that go under the radar as well. I want to mention Rucker, not Rucker, Power Eccles had a big, was a third down stop, yep. just stood up. Yep. Um, Israel McConnell is huge too. Chris Collins played a lot, 49 snaps. You know, it's good to mention him. I'll go Cayman Rucker, 36 snaps, uh, forced fumble, big sack. That was a kind of a, a game-changing defensive possession there in the third quarter. Um, you know, he's always pressuring the quarterback. It seems like our, the UNC's main guy after Noah Taylor to pressure the quarterback. All right, before we get out of here, stay tuned. We're going to do an X and O's whiteboard session with Jeff as our subscribers on Inside Carolina have demanded. Um, but first, UNC, 7-1, and 4-0 in the Coastal. You know, kind of got past this, this Miami-Duke-Pitt stretch that I thought was really important. Now they head up to Virginia. Chance to go 8-1. and one, 5-0 and in the Coastal. Your thoughts just looking at the season right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a success. It's We're in a great spot going forward, too. I mean, we've, we've kind of figured out, you know, our offense is going to carry us, um, but our defense is now is getting better. They really are. And if we can, you know, allow under 25 points a game mm-hmm. and make some time, we, you know, big plays on defense, some turnovers, get the ball back to our offense, play complimentary football, like – you know, we could give Clemson a run for their money in the AC Championship. So, yeah. um, so Virginia, then big one at Wake Forest. Yep. Wake Forest loses to Louisville pretty bad. I think it was 40-something to something. Um, and then Georgia Tech, I was looking to John there for a number. He uses his <laughs> nose in his computer. Uh, then Georgia Tech at home right before Thanksgiving. And then NC State on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, without Devin Leary. They, State looked rough against Virginia Tech. Uh, they are annoying this MJ Morris guy, the true fresh freshman or true freshman. Um, so four games left. I mean, eight and one. I mean, they could. This team could easily win out. 
Absolutely. in the regular season. You know, I think Wake is going to be tough, especially coming off a Louisville loss. They'll be yeah. a little more motivated. But, I mean, book your tickets to Charlotte. Book your tickets to Charlotte. Uh, I already booked my flight from Dallas to Charlotte, so that's I, right. I booked that, you know, 10 days ago. Yeah, a lot of people were booking them before this game and after the pit win. People are booking hotel rooms. So, uh, pretty good chance UNC's playing the ACC, ACC championship game, likely against Clemson. Um, and a chance for a great, you know, bowl situation for UNC as well. All right, uh, calling the shots. Blue Shark Vodka, appreciate your support. We appreciate you listening. UNC defeats Pitt 42 to 24. It's going to be the 7 1. Next week is Virginia. Thanks for watching.